Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Amen. Stay standing for a minute, everybody. I'm going to tell you a joke. I think I'll keep telling you jokes as long as you promise to remain on good behavior, all right? That's the deal. So here's, here's the joke. There was an airplane that was about to crash, and there were four passengers, but only three parachutes. And so the first passenger said, I'm a, I'm a leading heart surgeon, and my patients really need me. And so he grabbed one of the parachutes and jumped. Second passenger said, I'm a rocket scientist. I'm one of the smartest men alive. My country needs me. So he grabbed a parachute and jumped out of the plane. The third passenger was Pope Francis, and he said to the fourth passenger, which was a little 10-year-old Boy Scout, he said, son, I'm old and frail, and I've served the Lord well in, in my life, and probably don't have much time left. You can have the last parachute. The Boy Scout said, sir, don't worry about it. There are still two parachutes left. You see, the world's smartest man alive, he just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> Come on, before you sit down, look at the person next to you and say, I don't care who you are, that's funny right there. I don't care who you are, that's funny right there. 11.30 service, I don't know what I'm gonna say, anything can happen. Today we're beginning a three-week series on the Holy Spirit called Filled and Empowered. Filled and Empowered, say those words with me, would you? Come on, say it. Filled and, is that Garrett Adams? Garrett, all the way from Idaho. You came all the way from Idaho just to hear me preach today. Wow. Yeah, we got long distance people. That's good to see you, buddy. Um, so after I've, uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking and praying about our church and, and I praying for you, and I really feel led by the Lord to teach and preach on the Holy Spirit right now for a couple of reasons. First of all, we have a lot of new people in our church. In fact, if you started attending the Cause Church after May 30th of 2020, which was when we reopened, we we're close 10 weeks, we reopened on Pentecost weekend. If you started attending the church after May 30th of last year, would you raise your hand right now and hold your hand up high? Hold your hand up, raise your hand. Look, there's several people here. There's been a lot of people at every service. Good job, give them a round of applause, make them feel good. So I want you to know, we want you to know something about our church. If you don't know, we're a spirit-filled, charismatic church. That means that we believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That means that what we read about in the Bible, we believe that God is still doing the same thing, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe in spiritual gifts. We believe in spiritual language. We believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe in the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and everything that comes along with that. So if you didn't know that, now you do. Also, part of our, part of our mission as a church from starting in kids ministry, by the way, there are several of you in here that as soon as service ends, you need to sign up and start serving in kids ministry. You need to do that. You've been sitting on the sidelines too long. I was 17 when I started serving in kids ministry. It's the first position I had as a volunteer in the church. But as a, as a church, part of our mission is to help you become what my dad called, he might have stole it from Jack Hayford, I'm not sure, or he might have made it up. But we want you to become what we call a fully functioning follower of Jesus. A fully functioning follower of Jesus, which means part of what that means is that you are filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Another reason I'm giving this message, or this message series, is because we're just in a new season in our church. And it's two months ago that my dad graduated to heaven, and so everything's changed. Everything's different. In fact, I didn't even realize this, but you saw in the church news that Cindy Ousterhouse today at one o'clock, she's providing lunch as well, is doing a three-week series called The Holy Spirit and You. You're welcome to attend that if you'd like. Dave and Connie Duran, our, our young adult director, CYA director, stand up real quick, guys. Give them a round of applause. Dave and Connie, Sunday nights, tonight, five o'clock in our auditorium, young adults, you're between the ages of 18 to kind of 30-ish, late 20s, you're invited. They're doing a series on the Holy Spirit as well. You ought to come out and talk to them afterwards. One of, the, uh, one of the reasons, which probably is the most important reason, is that our world, and I think specifically our culture here in the United States of America, is becoming increasingly darker and more ungodly and more perverse. I feel like it's by the day. And just feel like there's an increase of, of wickedness, which Jesus talks about. He says in the end, that's end of days, end times, that's what's going to happen. And I haven't thought more about the end times ever in my life than I have in the last year and a half. The truth is every single day is one day closer to Jesus returning again. And uh, whether Jesus comes back tomorrow or 100 years from now, we need the Holy Spirit in our church and we need the Holy Spirit in the Capital C Church. And so I wanna lay a foundation and, and to build on for where we're going, not only in the next few weeks, in this series, but in our future as a church. And I wanna encourage you to do three things over the next three weeks that I believe will really help you receive all that God wants to do in your life. And if you're taking notes, you can write these things down. But number one is let go of your fears and misperceptions about the Holy Spirit. Let go of your fears and misperceptions about the Holy Spirit. The truth is some of us have, have come from backgrounds and, and have been in churches and we've been taught to believe things about the Holy Spirit that are simply not biblical and are not true. Bad theology, if you will. The Holy Spirit is, is not an impersonal force, like the force in Star Wars. I love Star Wars, I'm a Star Wars fan, but the Holy Spirit's not an impersonal force like you see depicted in Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is not an it, he is God. Theologians would, would say he is the third person of the Trinity or the triunity of God, or the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he's certainly not a ghost like you see depicted in, in the movies. I'm old enough to remember the movie Ghostbusters, which came out in the 80s, I think, with Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. And you remember that green ghost, Slimer, who was always eating like hot dogs and stuff? And the Holy Spirit, friends, is nothing like you see depicted in the movie, some of us have just been in weird environments or churches or seen things on TV that have really turned us off to the Holy Spirit. Some of you in here are holy ghostbusters because you have totally like kind of cut yourself off to the Holy Spirit and probably because you think, I don't wanna be one of those weird Christians. And even as I said that, you're probably thinking of somebody, hopefully they're not sitting next to you, but you think, I don't want any of that Holy Spirit stuff. I don't wanna be a, a weird Christian. Friends, the Holy Spirit is not spooky or weird. He's the Holy Spirit, not the hokey spirit. And the truth is, if you know a weird Christian, it's not because of the Holy Spirit, it's because they're just weird. They were weird before they met Jesus, and they're, so they're still weird afterwards, all right? The Holy Spirit does not make you weird. The Holy Spirit makes you powerful for the kingdom of God. He makes you effective for the purposes of Jesus. He makes you dangerous to the devil. By the way, 
the best place to learn about the Holy Spirit is not by listening to even the messages that I'm going to preach. Or Pastor Jensen Franklin, who's a phenomenal preacher, my favorite preacher. The best place to learn about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in and through your life is opening up the Word of God. It is reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, friends. You need to open up the Bible, read it for yourself, and see what the Holy Spirit says about himself. Let him teach you. In fact, this is my challenge to all of us, including myself. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or you're not even saved here, I want to encourage you and challenge you to do this over the next few days. You can go at your own pace. I want to challenge you to read the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Read both of them. It's basically volume one and volume two. Luke is my, my favorite gospel. Luke was a phys physician. He was a doctor, a brilliant, brilliant man. And Luke emphasizes more than any of the other gospel writers Jesus' power to heal and the power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So as you read those two books, make a note in your Bible, highlight or, or write in your Bible. It's okay to do that. Or use a grow journal or a notebook. Every reference to the Holy Spirit and see what God will teach you about who the Holy Spirit is. That's my challenge to you. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. That's so good. Number two, I want to encourage you to go all in with the Holy Spirit. Go all in with the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is good practical wisdom and advice, not just for the topic of the Holy Spirit, but for anything in your walk with the Lord. Go all in. There is always more to knowing God and experiencing God than you are right now, friends. That is always true because he's God. So there's always more love. There's more of his power, more of his presence, more of his grace, more of his goodness, more of his forgiveness than any of us are experiencing. There's always more. There's always more. And you'll never experience all that God has for your life if you're not willing to go all in for him. There's many people, people in this room watching online today, and you are going to heaven. You're saved. You're going to heaven. If you die, heaven is your home. But you ha have not and are not experiencing the Holy Spirit. And that makes me, honestly, it makes me sad. You're missing out on a big part of following Jesus. Let me say it like this. There's a big difference between shallow end and deep end Christianity. Think of a pool and you go on the shallow end and maybe you just, you know, for whatever reason, you hang out and sit on the steps and put your feet in or you're just sitting there and, you know, that's where the little kids play. Like the babies with their little floaties are in the shallow end. You're hanging out, slashing around. There's a big difference between doing that and going to the deep end, jumping off a diving board and swimming all the way and being completely immersed or baptized, which is what baptism means immerse. We'll talk more about that probably next week. There's a big difference between being in the deep end or the shallow end. Let me give you a different water picture. In case you can't tell, I'm not much of a beach person, all right? I know that's shocking to all of you with my great tan. I'm like so white, I'm translucent. You know, it's like, like a vampire. Uh, but so I don't really, I like the beach area, but I'm not much for like the beach and the ocean and the waves. So I don't mind, you know, holding Jenny's hand and walking along, you know, the shore and even kind of getting the waves on my feet. Like, I'm okay with that. But there's a big difference between doing that and getting out in the ocean waves and surfing on the waves or body surfing where the power of the water, the power of the wave controls you and takes you where it wants you to go, friends. Too many of you have been 
content with shallow end Christianity for far too long, and it is time for you to get in the deep end. Come on, somebody, help me preach. You need to get in the deep end. Our heart should be, Lord, if you have it, I want it. No questions asked. I want all that you have for me. And by the way, if you're content with shallow end Christianity, then that's fine. God still loves you, but that's all you're going to get. My dad taught me this. He said, there, he said, God is willing to go as far with you as you're willing to go with him. How far are you willing to go? How much do you want of the Lord? There's always more. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11. He said, if imperfect parents, hello, that's me, that's us, know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? So good. Number three is this. I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks and really for the rest of your life. Number three, develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Some of us have never even thought about that. That thought has never crossed our mind before. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. Paul writes 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I'm going to read the message paraphrase. So you, media, you can go there. It says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Some of you ex have experienced the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father, but you've never experienced an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And my prayer for you is that something will change in the next couple of weeks. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to John chapter 13. If not, you can follow along on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible afterwards. Our prayer team will be up here. But John chapter 3, Jesus is having a a conversation, an interaction with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the top leaders of the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Most of the Pharisees hated Jesus because they were absolute hypocrites. They didn't, they didn't love God and they didn't love people. And Jesus saw right through that and called them all out. And people would stop following them. They were following Jesus. So most of the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, but some of them did. And Nicodemus had been around Jesus, and something was happening in, in his heart as he was around Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus one night secretly because he doesn't want the other guys to know. Begins to talk to him, ask him questions. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again, which is where that term came from. It was real popular in the 80s, born again Christianity. It comes from John chapter 3. And Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? He, he takes Jesus literally. He says, Jesus, what are you talking about? He said, I'm a grown man. He said, I can't enter into my mother's womb again. And, and Jesus says, you know, you don't understand. We're not talking. I'm not talking about being physically born. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. And this is what Jesus says in verse 6. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit, capital S, re referring to the Holy Spirit, is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. Say wind. wind. Come on, 1130, help me. Say wind. wind. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The title of, of my message is Fresh Wind from Heaven. Fresh wind from heaven. In this passage, Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to wind. And what's interesting is that in both the Old Testament, which was written primarily in Hebrew, and the New Testament, which was written primarily in Greek, the word that we translate spirit or ghost can also be translated as wind. 
I'm going to teach you a, a, a Bible word right now. In fact, the old King James, by the way, which was used up until primarily up until 50, 60 years ago. Now we have a lot of English translations, but translated Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. So Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, either one of those is fine. But the Old Testament Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. That's how you pronounce it, ruach. Try to say that. Come on, say it out loud. Say ruach. I'm serious. Say it. It's like you got popcorn stuck in the back of your throat or something or got a hakalugi, you know. <laughs> that is how you pronounce Hebrew words. It means wind, breath, a violent exhalation, blast of breath. And we see the Holy Spirit on the, in the second verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the spirit, or ruach, of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The New Testament word, the Greek word, is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. pneuma. The P is silent. Pneuma means a current of air, blast a breath, or a strong breeze. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the spirit, or pneuma, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Friends, some of us, our walk with God has become stale and stagnant and boring and lifeless, and we're just going through the motions. We're just, you know, check, you know, checking the time card or putting the time card in, so to speak. We're simply existing and not passionately living. Listen, we need a current of heaven's air. We need a blast of God's breath. We need a strong breeze of the Holy Spirit. We need fresh wind from heaven. Can somebody say amen? I want to share with you four characteristics of fresh wind from heaven. Number one is the wind of the Holy Spirit can't be seen, but he can be felt. The wind of the Holy Spirit can't be seen, just like you can't see physical wind, but he can be felt. You ever walked outside, you know, a hot summer day, and man, it's just so hot, but occasionally you get that cool breeze that kind of comes out of nowhere and blows on your face, and oh, that feels so good. I hope that you've had the experience where you've come to a, a life-giving service here at the Kosh Church, and you walk out of the service saying, man, I felt God in that place. It just felt so good, and so I know some of you think, I'm not into that feelings type of stuff. That's just too emotional for me. Well, if you're saying, you know, you ought not to live your Christianity based on your feelings or emotions, I agree with that. You shouldn't live your walk with God based on your feelings. In fact, you shouldn't live any part of your life based on your feelings. If you did, several of us, including myself, would probably be in jail or prison right now, right? By the way, that's, that's very good advice in marriage, and a lot of us forget that sometimes. I've talked to a lot of men over the years that says, yeah, I just don't love my wife anymore. I've fallen out of love. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about the romantic feelings part of love. They don't have those same feelings that they did when they first started dating her and pursuing her because that's a feelings part of love. Friend, love is a lot more than just feelings. Love is a commitment. It's a choice. It's a decision. In fact, if you're a Christian, it's actually a covenant. That's the way that God loves us. It's unconditional. God loves us even when we don't deserve it. And, and he says in Ephesians 5, husbands, you ought to love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Good news is if you think you've fallen out of love, you can fall back into love, friends. 
Make a commitment, husbands and wives, that you're gonna start loving your spouse the way that you know you ought to love them, even if you don't have, the, have those feelings. It's much easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. That's good preaching right there. Amen. Amen, Pastor John. Jeez, that's good, that's free. Some of you need to start doing that in your marriage. Feelings aren't bad, and just like you can feel and experience love from another person. You can feel and experience the love of God. My dad taught me, he taught Junior, he taught the staff. Dave was on staff with us for a long time. He said our goal at every church service, anytime we gather, is we want two things to happen. Number one, we want every single person, whether they're a little baby or you know however old they are, we want every single person to be loved just as they are. No, no matter if they don't, if they hate God, they find themselves here, they have no relationship, they got whatever they look like, whatever they're doing in their life, we can love them just as they are. And, you know, we can always get better at that. I think we do pretty good. We're, we're a friendly church. And second thing he said is he said, we want people to experience the presence of God. That's our goal. We want people to experience the presence of God. We don't want you just to show up at a service and be impressed by the good music or, or you know, uh, be inspired by you know, a, nice, a nice message. We want you to come to a moment in a service where you say, God is here. God is in this place. And you know, even if you don't know the Lord, I love it when I talk to people. They're new to the church. This is all new to them. They don't know what's happening. Like, Why are people raising their hands? They don't know any of this stuff. But they come up afterwards and they say, man, I like coming here because I just feel so good when I leave. Friends, that, what you're feeling is the presence of God. The presence of God. By the way, if you're only comfortable with what you can see with your eyes or understand with your mind, you're gonna miss out on all that God wants to do in your life. Some of us are. Jesus at the Last Supper, the last night he was with his disciples, the night he was betrayed, and he knew that the next day he was gonna be crucified for the sins of humanity, the sins of the world. So the last night, Last Supper, He's hanging out and he's talking to them. Imagine, by the way, if you knew this was your last day on earth, that you're gonna die tomorrow, who you would gather and what would you tell them? Well, Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and you know what he primarily talked to them about? In John chapters 14, 15, and 16, add it to your reading challenge. He talked to them about the Holy Spirit. He said this in John chapter 14, I will pray or I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Say that phrase, say another helper. Come on, say it again, say another helper. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He's talking to us, Jesus followers. You know him for he dwells, what does it say, church? He dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. The word that is translated helper in the Greek, it's parakletos. It means, it also means intercessor, advocate, counselor, strengthener, or comforter. I'm two months into dealing with the grief and loss of, of my dad graduating to heaven, and now more than any time in my life by far, I need the strengthener, I need the comforter, I need the intercessor, friends. I need fresh wind from heaven, I need the Holy Spirit. That, that phrase, that phrase, another helper, 
what, what Jesus is literally saying is this. He's saying the Holy Spirit is one besides me and in addition to me, but one just like me. He will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. This is great news. Let me try to unpack it for you for, you for a moment, friends. This is, what, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit that you saw when, when my cousin John baptized me when I was 30 years old and the heavens were open and you heard the voice of the Father say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased and the Holy Spirit that descended upon me at that time and empowered me and filled me and baptized me for the next three and a half years of Jesus' life from the time he was 30 to about 33 and a half years old. Jesus did and accomplished more in those three and a half years than every human being who has ever lived combined. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Come on. He, he bought salvation for humanity. He defeated death. He did that all empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you and giving life to your mortal bodies. And that spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church, we'll talk about that next week, that filled and empowered Peter and James and Paul and Philip and these men who went out and turned the world upside down. They birthed the church in a godless pagan culture that penetrated that entire area, that spread across the world. And here we are, 2,000 years later. Friends, you are filled and empowered with that same spirit. The one that you read about in, in the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah and Elisha, great men and women of God, Men and women of God today that are changing the world, doing great things. You have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Somebody help me preach. I'm running out of breath. I'm about to pass out. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm tired. It's 1130. The Holy Spirit is God with you. He is God with you, working in you to do supernatural things through you, that means things that you cannot do on your own, God kind of things, supernatural things through you to change the world around you, to impact people's lives, bring people into relationship with Jesus. Too many people live by their own willpower, not by God's power. And if you do that long enough, friends, in your walk with God, you, you might walk away from the Lord. I know a lot of people who have done that. It's too hard. On your own, you, it's not meant to do on your own, friends. You're supposed to do it with the power of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit helps you live your Christian life successfully and victoriously. My mom and dad wrote years ago, it was like 2006, maybe not too long after we started the church, they wrote a discipleship and spiritual growth book called Rebuilding the Walls, and we've went through it many times as a church. We probably should do it again. My dad wrote a section about the Holy Spirit, and this is what he said. He said success, and he's really referring to successful Christian living. Success comes through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God himself lives inside you and gives you the power and resources to accomplish the humanly impossible. He provides you with gifts, power, passion, energy, and a church to support you. Amen, that's good. Number two, the wind of the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. The wind of the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. Jesus said the wind blows where it wishes, and... 
Friends, like when there is an unpredictable and mysterious dimension to the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives. And some of you, some of you think that you can figure out God. Honestly, who do you think you are that you could figure out God? How smart do you think you are, friends? You can't figure out God. There is always a mystery to God. There's a, there's a mysterious dimension to the Holy Spirit. You can't fit God neatly into a box. Well, I, I guess in some ways you can, and, and some of us have. We want, we want the Holy Spirit just to be like this. We don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want this. And just so kind of fit it in this box. Some of you need to open up that box. You need to unleash the Holy Spirit in your life. God doesn't always work the same way. He doesn't always do the same things. There's a unpredictable aspect and dimension to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Number three is the wind of the Holy Spirit is refreshing. The wind of the Holy Spirit is refreshing. When I was a kid growing up at our house in West Covina, we had one of those air conditioning units that was mounted into the windows, right? And uh, my brother and I, Josh is two years younger, uh, we would, you know, hot summer day, we'd be playing outside, come inside the house, we'd be hot, sweaty, stinky, and we'd jump on the couch and fight over who could stand right in front, directly in front of that air conditioning unit. It just got super cold air, you know, wind, breeze blowing on your face because it was so refreshing. Friends, there's a refreshing dimension to the wind of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's an actual real place on earth near the equator that... There is no wind at all, and sailors refer to it as the doldrums. The doldrums. It's in the ocean. And many years ago, when, when ships re relied exclusively on wind, sailboats, it was only sailboats, if a, if a ship accidentally sailed into the doldrums, it would oftentimes get stuck there and never get out. And obviously what that means is that if it's stuck there, then everybody who was on the ship would die. Some of you are in the doldrums in your life right now. There is no wind in your sails. You're in the doldrums in mental health, or maybe your physical health, or maybe your emotional health. You're in the doldrums in your job. You're in the doldrums in your marriage. There's, there's several people in here that are in the doldrums in your relationship with the Lord. And you feel lost and stuck and like you're dying. Friends, you need some ruach. <laughs> you need pneuma. You need fresh wind from heaven. You need the Holy Spirit to breathe into you again. Jesus said in John chapter 7, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The wind of the Holy Spirit is refreshing. Here's the last point. Number four is this. The wind of the Holy Spirit is powerful. The wind of the Holy Spirit is powerful. I'll talk more about this next week, but let me say a few things quickly right now. You know, wind power can provide electricity for entire cities or regions. If you've ever driven out near Palm Springs, you ever seen those giant wind turbines, like hundreds or thousands of them that powers, you know, part of Southern California. And I've always thought it was interesting, people who live in the Midwest or the East Coast where they have tornadoes and hurricanes. 
And uh, like they happen every single year and they literally call it, it's hurricane season. And people live in, in our country where they're, they live in a part where hurricane season just blows through and they come to California and they're afraid of earthquakes. It's never made any sense for me, but sense to me, but anyways, but you know, wind can be destructive as well because it's powerful and truth is all of us face challenges that our own human power cannot fix. I mean, my own human power can't fix all these things in my life. And yet some of us have distanced ourselves or turned ourselves completely off to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to encourage you to, to open, up the, open up the valve, open up your heart again, friends. Maybe for the first time or a new time. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Friends, I don't know about you. I, I say, then come upon me, Lord, because I'm facing things. I'm facing a season right now that I can't go through in my own power. I need your power in my life. My dad wrote in Rebuilding the Walls, when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, as Jesus promised, all the fullness of the Godhead, all the power of the resurrected Christ, now is your immediate resource. The person of Jesus can be seen in us, and he comes to overflow our lives so that the power of Jesus can happen through us as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So good. One of the best books that I've ever read, besides my dad's book, Rebuilding the Walls, and his other book, Dugout Talk, <laughs> but one of the best, that's a joke, by the way. Um, nobody laughed at any of the services. I don't know why I went, I went 0 for 4 on that joke. One of, the, one of the best books that I've ever read is the autobiography of Charles G. Finney. You can, you can still buy it. The autobiography of Charles G. Finney. Charles Finney is known, considered, as the father of modern revivalism in America. Honestly, the way that God used this man, it changed our entire country and impacted the world. Literally, you can read about him. He became a Presbyterian minister and an evangelist as well. And by the way, he was also a very, very outspoken abolitionist. He said that the great sin of our nation is slavery. And he wrote personal letters to President Lincoln and encouraged him, said, you need to, you need to put an end to this. And Lincoln was influenced by Finney's, Finney's voice and Finney's letters. But before all of that, he was an attorney. He was brilliant, a brilliant, well-educated man. He was an attorney. And by his own admission, by his own description, he said he was comfortable knowing God on an intellectual level only and described his relationship with God as lifeless and predictable. And when he was 29 years old, he made a decision one day and said, I am going out into the woods and I am not coming back until God meets me. And this is what he wrote. I'm quoting him from his autobiography. He says, the Holy Spirit, he, when he was 29, he had an encounter with the Lord. It transformed him, and he described it like this. The Holy Spirit descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. The next day after Finney had this encounter with the Lord, the next day he, he walked away from law and he went into full-time ministry and the rest, as they say, is history. Friends, 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need fresh wind from heaven. I'm gonna close with, I'll close with this. Years ago, there was an article written about the air quality in Los Angeles caused by all the pollution and the traffic. And it is way better than it used to be. Come on, this, I know this makes me sound old to the young adults. I grew up in the 80s. Does anybody remember the smog in Los Angeles in the 1980s, right? It was like so thick that you could taste it sometimes. You know, my grandpa, my grandparents had this beautiful house that was on a hill and it overlooked the valley. And literally, you could just see this giant brown layer in the summertime of smog. And I said, Grandpa, look how smoggy it is. And my Grandpa Chuck, who grew up in Los Angeles, said, oh, no, it's just a little bit of haze. I'm like, Grandpa, I can't even see my hand out in front of my face. Like, that's unbelievable smog. Well, it was, this article was written when the smog was really bad and and it was so bad that it was just like a big thick cloud that covered the city even made it hard to see the sun sometimes depending on where you were so the city of los angeles called together a special commission of world-renowned experts literally people from all around the world that specialized in figuring out how to relieve pollution of toxic gas gases and so they conducted an extensive study of what los angeles could do to get rid of the pollution problem And finally, after several weeks, they held a press conference. These experts held a press conference with the mayor of Los Angeles, the key city officials. It was a big press conference. And listen to this. This is what the main expert on this commission said. He got up and addressed everyone and he said, I know you've come today to hear the solution for all that we are facing as a city. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm embarrassed to give you this report. I realize that you have paid a large sum of money for this report, and I probably should shroud my findings, but I've always tried to be honest. Therefore, I honestly submit to you, and this is what he says, there is no solution for your pollution problem. (laughs) That's what he said. And the article said that this man, this expert, after stunning everyone, paused for a moment and almost as an afterthought said these words. What we really need is a wind from elsewhere to sweep down through the city and blow the pollution out to sea and give us a brand new beginning. That's what he said. Ladies and gentlemen of the Cause Church, I submit to you today that the world has no solution for your pollution problem. The world has no solution for your addiction to drugs and alcohol. The world has no solution for your addiction to pornography. The world has no solution for your depression and suicidal ideation. The world has no solution for adultery and sexual immorality and gender confusion. The world has no solution for marital challenges or anger and rage problems or grief and sorrow and pain. The world has no solution for the brokenness and bondage that sin brings in every single one of our lives. But I'm here to tell you today that there is a wind from elsewhere. There is a fresh wind from heaven that can sweep through your life. His name is the Holy Spirit. He can breathe fresh life into you, friends. He can blow out all the junk. He can get rid of all the addiction. He can get rid of all the pain. He can get rid of everything that's holding you back. 
He can breathe in the, the deadness of your walk with God. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is a fresh wind from heaven. Put your stuff down. Stand to your feet if you would. <laughs> Close your eyes. Just relax for a moment. 11.30 service gets hungry. You guys are like, I want to go eat lunch. I know, I'm hungry too. Friends, if there's a spiritual hunger in you, God will fill it and meet it. God is willing to go as far with you as you're willing to go with him. And if you're content with shallow in Christianity, that's fine. God loves you. Some of you, you want more. And there's more to, to the Lord. His presence and power than currently experiencing. I want you to, I want to invite you right now to open up to the Holy Spirit and, and to do something physical. Maybe you, if you want, you can lift your hands or just cup, cup your hands out in front of you or even just put your hands on your heart. That's what I'm going to do. I want to pray for you and then we're going to sing a song and then I'll come up and close. Holy Spirit, I can't speak for every person here, but I know for myself, and I do pray for the rest of us, even those watching online, we open to you. We need fresh wind from heaven. We need the breath of God. We need you. More than any, more than anything, more than even the physical air we breathe, we need you. We need the breath from heaven. Come and blow through our lives. Blow out the pollution in our lives, Lord. Speak to us and show us so we can repent, change, and let your power and presence overcome those areas. We need fresh wind. Lord, do something new and fresh in our lives beginning today, the next few weeks. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Touch us. Fill us, empower us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.